I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burr, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. The pandemic has altered consumer behavior, but digital gaming is not complaining. According to reports, during March to April 2020, global spending on games rose by 17% to 10.5 billion dollars. In India, the industry grew at a compound annual growth rate of 21% during the lockdown, with the steadily increasing customer base crossing 300 million users. The pandemic is contributing to the normalization and adoption of e-gaming, and gaming companies are increasingly seeing a surge in their user base. In India, 85% of the online gaming takes place on mobile. Convenience and flexibility have made mobile gaming extremely popular, especially amongst amateur and casual gamers. Time spent on gaming has increased by 21% during the lockdown. The reasons, of course, are the young tech-savvy population, but 25% age under 45, increased internet penetration, improved affordability of high-spec smartphones, and rising of disposable incomes. According to experts, the e-gaming business model has transitioned from a model dependent on download volumes and advertisements to something with diversified revenue streams built on consumer engagement and elevated experience levels. In the latest dispatch of Startup Diaries, we get to know how the pandemic is turbocharging the future of gaming in India. Please help me welcome Naveen Goel, who is the CEO of Adda52.com. I also have with me Risha Bharadwaj, who is the partner at Ketan & Company and also works for Ketan & Company's Bangalore office. Also, please help me welcome Raghav Anand Strong, who is a partner and a digital lead partner at Constant Young India. Gentlemen, thank you for this and putting your time and energy to this show today. Bit of a context and to know what one is hearing and reading on the online gaming industry, and here's some data and perspective here that the Indian e gaming industry was estimated at about 91 million dollars in 2019 and expected to grow at a compound annual growth rate of about 43 percent year on year. 85% of the gaming sector is, of course, mobile gaming. And there's sort of various hopes of growth being seen as one talks about. When it's talking about mobile gaming, there's also sort of artificial intelligence and machine learning capabilities being brought into the gaming sector. One also hears about artificial intelligence, AR, VR, augmented reality. Esports is coming as a big category. We also have skill-based gaming, poker, is proving to be a big category, just as the way Netflix started as a phenomenon which was only relegated to the nerds. Initially, gaming is coming into its own as a big mainstream sector. Now, I want to understand and perhaps begin the panel uh, with you, uh, you know, from uh, with you, uh, Naveen, from a practitioner's point of view, really. Uh, you know, if you would, if you would tell me about the gaming evolution 
you know, from Adda 52 point of view, the trends that are perhaps more relevant three to four years back and what is really being seen in 2020 because it has really been labeled as a year for inflection for these kind of digital offerings. I mean, the two words, digital transformation, were almost hollow two years back and I've been the most bandied and easily repeated word in 2020. So I want to understand from you because we hear often from a lot of gaming entrepreneurs uh, that Shreja, we are seeing new highs and new records on our platform with every passing day. Help us demystify some of that growth. Uh, so I think from an Adda perspective, we've always been growing since the start, right? Year on year, we've had very healthy growth. We've grown into poker, rummy, uh, and few other games. Um, specifically this year, I think what has happened is that uh, when lockdown started, right, um, people didn't have anything else to do because they were at home. Um, the content on Netflix here and there also got bored after a certain period of time because there was no new content on uh, internet. So I think a lot of people started to play uh, games. Uh, uh, it's good for entertainment. It's good for skill building, right? Uh, so I think that's how it all started. And um, uh, the growth has been good uh, year on year. Uh, month on month, uh, this year, the growth has been good, although it has stabilized since the last couple of months, but still uh, quite high compared to what it was before the pandemic started. Okay, uh, I come down to you now, sort of your, uh, you know, from Raghav, from an EY perspective. And since you interact with a lot of gaming entrepreneurs uh, and uh, you also speak a lot of VCs also, what is the kind of interest you are assessing from both practitioners and the investors' point of view? How has this industry transformed in the recent years? Give us some color there. Right. I think uh, thanks for that. I think, uh, like Naveen is saying, this industry is something that has had a high growth rate uh, all along. There was about 43% growth even before the pandemic. But as the pandemic hit, uh, the in the initial months, say about April uh, and May, there were companies experiencing almost 200% growth. And there were also companies experiencing uh, some of the transaction-based games experiencing 87% growth on a month-on-month -month basis. So there was a huge influx happening. Uh, and the investor community also took note of that. Uh, and they were clearly seeing that the online gaming bit uh, is definitely drawing traction. Uh, and like Naveen said, it has stabilized. So uh, if you look at it in the last uh, couple of months, uh, and especially October data, uh, you will find that the overall growth rate uh, peg pre-pandemic to now around be around 24, 25% from that point of view, which is also very high from a six month period point of view. Right? Now, uh, this huge amount of growth happening, there are two, three things investors are looking at. Obviously, the investors who are VCs who are focused on digital, uh, they are uh, definitely have suddenly included online gaming as a large part of the portfolio. What used to happen before the pandemic was that the VCs had some amount of doubts around the sector, and there were two, three uh, important points they were making. One is around the entire legal frameworks and so on and so forth. Uh, you know, uh, whether it is skill-based or is it is it gambling and all of that, there were concerns, but some of those concerns have eased out uh, and this recognition of skill-based gaming is there. Uh, 
uh, in the market. That is one thing that has changed from the investor perspective. The second thing is they were looking at this entire dichotomy of growth and growth followed by uh, revenue and uptake, and, and that's something they wanted to see. And that's also sorting to getting to sort out at this point in time. Uh, and then the, the whole part about they were chasing many things in digital uh, with respect to social, with respect to video, and so on and so forth. But in the last six months, the online gaming has perhaps been the uh, market leader. And hence, it has come well right and center into that thing. That said, uh, the investors are still cautious. Uh, they have some. Uh, they are looking at the revenue growth. They are also looking at the sustainability of the user uh, engagement, uh, and they are also looking at uh, the differential between transactions and differential between in-app and subscription. So they are looking at it very uh, in in a minute manner. Uh, I would say any gaming company. Uh, uh, is is very well placed today to get supported from the investor community if they are able to sort of uh, substantiate with data the fact that user growth is followed by monetization and and user engagement. If that happens, I think they have a very good chance of uh, uh, getting funded. Okay, thanks, Raghav, for sort of laying that out for us. And that really is my next question. That you know, I have been hearing from a lot of entrepreneurs and startup founders that they have reached new peaks of growth, especially during the pandemic, because people are really living on the internet, working from home. Uh, we are into this uh, commodification of self, if you will. Everybody wants to understand, indulge. Uh, but is that really translating into revenues? And is that the new peaks translating into monetization in the same way or in the same capacity is the big question. Uh, I want to sort of uh, have Naveen also take this up, give us some clear picture that is the growth really translating into revenue in the same tandem? Uh, see, so for us, uh, it is because we are real money gaming platform, right? So unlike app purchase, et cetera, ours is a real money gaming platform where players come and play. Uh, and uh, they play with money, right? So um, as the user base increases for us, it means more monetization, more revenue. Um, even for companies which are uh, uh, which are having the business model of in-app purchases, I think even for them, uh, because see, the, what is the amount of in-app purchases? It's like 50 rupees, 100 rupees, right? And with that amount of money, they give uh, some bit of uh, chips, or you know, uh, card color change, etc. Within it, and people find it interesting because at least they have something to play with. So the more user engagement is, the more the number of uh, players coming onto the platform. I think in-app purchases definitely would increase. Whether it increases with the same ratio or the incremental revenue is the same with the new user base coming in, um, I think it's a different story and depends upon platform. Platform, how do they monetize and how do they engage the user was definitely the more the number of players coming in uh, it would yield to more monetization if not today then maybe at least say 15 days later one month later when new players are getting used to the platform okay uh raghav we just heard Nami and he said that user growth will be translated to revenues if not now in the immediate future what is your sense you're talking to a lot of startup founders uh, and a lot of these uh, you know gaming developers and companies uh, so is are you seeing the revenue in the same tandem as they, as they talk about the growth in user numbers? Give us a clear picture there. Right. I think we need to look at different segments differently here. 
Navin is absolutely right when he's talking about the transaction segment because transaction gaming, uh, the real money gaming for that matter, real money gaming is directly related to people paying money, right? So the user growth and the revenue growth is works in tandem in that particular industry. And that's why what Naveen is pointing to. But if we just step back and look at the industry as a whole, uh, the statistics are that India contributes to almost 13% of the total app downloads of the world, right? But it only contributes to 0.2% of the revenue uh, from game, right? So this is the sector where there is a disparity between the huge downloads and user growth and the and the revenue. That's attributed to multiple things. One is it, it, it is the currency effect that is definitely there. And like Naveen also pointed out, there are sachets. We are working in 50 rupees, 75 rupees, you know. Uh, uh, and uh, and the biggest other difference is that in the global gaming market, the in-app purchases are around 80%, 82% of the total revenues. In India, there are about 52 to 5.3% people who actually use in-app purchases. So India is an advertising-driven market. Even subscriptions after the telco VAS ecosystem uh, uh, went in. So just to explain that, traditionally before the 4G came in, and before even 3G for that matter, the telcos had a complete VAS ecosystem. So there used to be Airtel games and Vodafone games and all of that. Uh, and then you used to download games at 50 rupees, 99 rupees. That was a 25,000 crore market. Uh, but once that action shifted to the Googles of the world, the Apples of the world, uh, then it's a completely different revenue ecosystem. Uh, people are not actually paying out there. There are free games, downloading it and playing it. So now let's go very quickly sector by sector within the online gaming space. So if you look at transaction games, which means where money is being paid uh, either to sort of participate, those have grown about 50%, right? Whereas the casual games and the other type of games have grown only about 20%, right? So if it's not a transaction game, if it's not a, a, a skill-based game where I have to put money in, the other biggest part was the fantasy gaming part, where also there was some money involved, which also fell through in the pandemic because there was no sports activity happening. So what that leaves with is games which are advertising-led, right? Uh, and those are the ones who are surviving with some revenues. The subscription is very less. The in-app purchase is just about growing. So given that, the dichotomy of huge growth in numbers and a slightly smaller revenue growth is going to exist. So clearly, if you look at it from two perspectives, from a strategy perspective, if you're not a transaction uh, game, you have to really focus on how are you looking uh, to get the users to experience the game, which means how can you be on the top charts in the downloads? Then from there, how do you engage? And that's what Naveen is referring to when he says, once you start engaging them, then you start driving them towards in-app purchases or subscriptions and so on and so forth, where you start monetizing them. There are- essentially, Yeah, so essentially what I'm gathering is that the path to monetization is becoming clearer, unlike before for the gaming sector. Can one say that? It is. It is because the fact that the in-app is growing and few others. But if, if it was only an advertising ecosystem, you get into the dichotomy of advertisers won't advertise unless you have some you know, 20, 30 million uh, users. And you can't get to 20, 30 million users unless you have money to sort of fund that. Right? Okay. That is so totally... 
going away from that. Okay. So, Rishabh, I come to you now. I mean, so some of the deals that you're working on, some of the companies that you interact with, uh, what are the new business models that you're seeing coming to the fore? Uh, and then I would also sort of pick up Naveen on this uh, and uh, also sort of uh, take uh, the viewpoint from the entire panel. Uh, because it's a very important question, the new kind of business models and ideas that are emerging and coming to the fore, what really are those? Sure. So, uh, I think uh, like what Naveen said, uh, you know, RMG, continue, Real Money Gaming continues to be a very, uh, you know, profitable and, you know, like he said, it, it, there is an immediate uh, impact of user growth to the monetization. So, that particular business model continues to gain traction. Uh, before pandemic, during pandemic, and even today, it continues. Uh, other than that, we are also seeing a lot of uh, variations of fantasy sport. Uh, you know, because fantasy sport, when we think about it, we think about some of the key players only. Uh, now there are a lot of other players who are coming up, who have already come up and are in the process as well, and they don't want to follow the same suite of uh, you know uh, gaming. Uh, uh, model that the existing players are following. So they, they are interested in exploring something different within the bounds of uh, the game of skill, uh, you know, uh, regulatory framework. Uh, so that's uh, something that's very interesting uh, to see that we would be seeing in, in the near future. Variations of uh, certain games, uh, especially in the fantasy uh, space and uh, even in some of the card gaming space. Uh, and and uh, the monetization in both of them, I would feel that it will continue to be the way it has uh, happened in in the traditional card games and uh, traditional uh, uh, you know existing fantasy models. Naveen, what is your view here on the new kind of business models emerging in the gaming sector? What would those really be? What the new kind of ideas that you see coming to the fore? I think something that have really emerged is hypercultural games, and these are very short short types of games which are you know not even casual and there are several companies which have mushroomed during this time um, so that's one model that i clearly see which has emerged which was not there before um, um hyper casual game other than that i think i also see a um, uh, few companies that have emerged wherein in one app they offer multiple games and not just one right so unlike uh, say rami circle or adda which has one app poker one app rummy right so there are more and more companies which are coming up and offering a suite of games including poker rummy fantasy maybe some casual games etc so i think these two are the clear things that are coming up esports existed before but i think it has really picked up during this time uh specifically because um i guess fantasy wasn't happening too much Although I think during this IPL time, it has really surged, it has surpassed all prior years of uh, fantasy gaming. Right? Since fantasy started, I think this was, this is the best year for them, right? Just these two months. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think these are two or three things which have really emerged during this time and I've outshined. Okay. Uh, Raghav, I come to you. Do you think that 2020 will really go down in the history of gaming as an inflection point for the sector? Looks like almost all boards in the sector are going high and are seeing unprecedented growth. What is your view there? It would, uh, if you're talking about mobile and online casual gaming, uh, certainly that's, those sectors are, have seen the, you know, the right winds are sort of taking them to uh, fresher heights. 
Now, the important thing there is that uh, that said, uh, the fundamental issues are still there uh, in this particular sector, and which is what I think needs to be addressed for this growth to be sustainable. The first part is that while there is a lot of user growth happening, uh, the part about, let me talk about two, three things which, which, which need to sort of set in place. Can an Indian gaming company really uh, uh, sort of come up uh, and, and, and uh, put their things on the Google App Store or, or whatever iOS and then drive towards the, the top rankings? And if they have to do, do they have the right kind of funding and the marketing power where? That's where the fact that India does not have a very uh, large uh, gaming publisher for that matter. Uh, like most of the other, whether you talk about King or Rovio or Activision or whatever that is. Now, these publishers make sure that the developers who are developing the game get the right kind of eyeballs, get the right kind of downloads. It's almost like a studio doing the marketing for the film, whereas the production house does the production of the game or the movie. So in the first part, we don't have uh, a large publishers, and there are some growing out at this point in time, especially those publishers who go at the app stores. The second part is this thing which we spoke about as to how do we get monetization on the in-app side of it and subscription side of it. And that needs really good marketing tools where you engage the customer, look at the entire life cycle and convert. I've seen some of the global gaming companies where we have done a lot of due diligence investments on. Uh, they have that uh, pipeline completely well described. So here we need to sort of get that going also for that to happen. And then this entire thing about support from the government and, and the incentives and all of that for a mushrooming gaming industry uh, to sort of uh, uh, grow and, and, and uh, work out. Uh, there are many geographies in animation, for example, in gaming, the government gives differential treatment, rebates, and also uh, absorbs the local content into that entire market. So those are very important incentives which need to make this growth, which is a big wave, into something that is sustainable and makes revenue from that end, that entire part of it. And those fundamentals, I'm seeing a lot of action happening now and, and, and the entire sector and the government is being very, very proactive here. Uh, I think the next six months will then decide the answer to your question, which is to say, these were the golden days and golden months, but did, did that result in the golden mula from that point? So the big question really is that have the golden days really resulted in the golden mula for the sector? The big question really remains. And I think the jury is still out on that one. But why is it, of, you know, a wait on that? The big question, and I think a lot of uh, media attention was drawn to the recent incident, which was a very big one when the power of big tech really came to the fore. Uh, we had, uh, you know, a large payments company in India which uh, forayed into gaming, Paytm Games and Google actually entering into a public spat and, you know, one alleging the other saying that, uh, so of course, Paytm and its founder came on the blog post saying that uh, Google's policies are self-serving and monopolistic at its best. And Google had to actually clamp down its stance and to say that they will actually have session with startups and listen to their grievances and concerns. I want to understand that, you know, at a time when this entire narrative of the power of big tech is building across the board, 
be it in e-commerce, we talk about the Amazons of the world. Uh, in, in the large advertising, we talk about the Facebook and the Google. What does it really mean for Indian gaming companies? To what Raghav also mentioned that we don't necessarily have a homegrown large domestic gaming publisher of ours. We don't really have a power as powerful as Google Play Store, Google App Store. Let's sort of accept that. So, Rishabh, I come down to you now on the power of big tech and what it really means for Indian startups. And would love to get the views of Naveen and Raghav also on that. Yeah. Certainly. So, uh, see, there's no doubt that if, if Google's policies were different uh, and they have in some of the jurisdictions, they do allow real money gaming uh, apps uh, to be downloaded. Uh, it's not clear why they have the policy in India, but if uh, they they if they allow uh, the real money gaming apps, uh, there will be you know certainly for the new entry, it, the not having to the not being allowed to be on Google app uh, Google Play Store, it impacts it's an ent uh, barrier to the entry. So a lot of uh, newcomers who do not have visibility in the start, they lose out on on, on that, uh, which otherwise they would have been able to just by being on uh, Play Store. They would get that visibility. They would get that credibility. You know, if you if you download an app uh, through the website, you know, your device will tell you, "Are you really? Do you really want to do this? This may harm your device, etc." You know, those kind of perceptional issues are not there when you are on Google Play Store. And at the same time, technologically also, you know, you have uh, updates are in order. They are in a more organized manner, uh, and so there are there are certain technical benefits as well to, uh, on account of being on uh, uh, on a on a Google Play Store. In terms of and and why Google and why Google Play Store because you know Indian market is predominantly at Android based so it is uh, we we barely talk about the iOS when we talk about uh, you know real money or online gaming so from that perspective yes it would help a lot of uh, startups a lot of people who are entering into the foray who do not have already themselves established in the market to you know to 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 have that visibility on day one. Uh, but I, what I also sense from a lot of uh, friends in the community is that the costs are too much. The cost of uh, staying on a Google Play Store is a is, is is lot. So sometimes, probably over a longer run, they feel that it's okay. If they're able to overcome these other issues, it's okay. They will save a fair bit of money by not being on. Okay, uh, Naveen, I want to understand from you that you know you're a practitioner and uh, you're in a large gaming company. The monopolistic practices of the platforms like Google and Facebook coming to the fore. What does it really mean for people like yours? And how are you sort of battling with this? The gaming industry at large. Uh, it's more about an interpretation issue. So, uh, so Google and Facebook are two big platforms in India where most of the advertisement does happen. Lots of acquisition happens. Uh, for almost all sorts of digital uh, companies, right? Now, the policies of Google and Facebook are not specific for India, right? They are central policies worldwide. So if this particular game or this particular sector is regarded as not good for Google, uh, it's for India also, right? Now, probably based on that, uh, they identified some of the transactions not as per their policy. Uh, but when it came up, right, and then it uh, went on to the extent that they have to revise their global policies. Uh, probably that's where that's where they sort of revise their policies. What happened to Facebook also, right? These are two big giants in India. Um, so um, uh, that's my take more or less on that uh, situation. Um, 
other than that what i feel is this is an opportunity for india to come up with platforms like that and it's not difficult right there are already platforms where uh, things are happening traffic is there and i'm sure in the next couple of years uh, we'll see um, few platforms coming up uh, which are able to drive traffic okay rahul you want to add to that the power of big tech and how monopolistic it is are uh, really it is not only limited to gaming we're seeing such in the news business for instance whether by companies like facebook are becoming publishers themselves right uh, so you know the power of big tech needs to be curtailed somewhere what is your view what are you hearing from the ecosystem at large you know i agree with uh, what navin said it's a perceptional thing you know uh, whether the the jury is out on what is monopolistic and what is not monopolistic i'll leave it to those companies but specifically talking about gaming Uh, in this which is the topic at hand uh in gaming it's not so much about the monopolistic part of it in gaming it is about how can you market yourself in the app store and let's be clear app store is a store and what does a store give you a store gives you a uh the the visibility that there are so many products so the people come into that store to buy products it could be online it could be physical the other part is there is a clear guarantee of quality and that's where a lot of those policies come in right so if you're downloading something from there it will not be virus ridden it will be a quality product it will have xyz from that point and hence certain policies have been put in place for that to happen and some of those policies might suit some people might not suit some people the other part is that then there is the ease of access payment and so on these are the three things which makes up a store now there are millions of apps on that particular store and how do you as an as an indian gaming company uh, differentiate yourself which is where you need marketing capability and you need uh, a, a lot of funding to make that happen and that's where a publisher comes in so in the context of gaming the tech giants is not a, is not a problem in fact they're probably supportive because uh, youtube helps in the entire game streaming which makes the games popular uh, facebook is is promoting a lot on that particular point of view now the critical question here is are there more alternatives and that's the question that you're asking uh, which is why now some of the oems like xiaomi for example is is having an entire app store and they are promoting that and there are about 30 40 million customers so they can access the same apps from a xiaomi store it's an alternate right jio also has plans and jio is doing something on that particular thing and could jio could become an alternative in 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 the scheme of things right so if these alternatives emerge and if they it become easier for a jio customer or a xiaomi uh, mobile user to access it from those stores right then this real question will will get uh, scaled down to a great extent but what will remain is whatever that store be the gaming guys need to compete with thousand other i mean there are chinese games and there are there are there are korean games and there are games coming from the western world you need to be competing among all of that and being coming out on the top and that needs a, a lot of marketing and 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 funding to to sort of get that done and that's where the core issues are okay so we spoke about quite a few things here we spoke about the opportunity we spoke about the fact that you know is are the golden days really translating into the golden mula for the sector navin also highlighted the fact that you know perhaps the perception issues on how you look at the big tech or raghav also said that you know there are three or four key things that need as an alternative building to have a fast gaming ecosystem 
This was a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast. I'm Annie Apple, and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series, Raising April. It's the most intimate sports-related conversations you will hear. Each week, we explore the journeys of some of your favorite NFL players through the eyes of those that know them best. From Joe Burrow, DeAndre Hopkins, Miles Garrett, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick and Joey Boza, just to name a few. With exclusive insights and information, we leave no stone unturned. Subscribe now to Raising a Pro on your favorite podcast app.